Hello and welcome back to the She Can Ball podcast. I'm your host, Mahi Jariwala, and I'm here today with the assistant player development coach at William Jessup University, Coach Tet. Thank you so much for being on today. Thanks, Mahi. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Okay, so let's just get right into it. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into basketball. Wow. Um, so I'll give you a condensed version because the long version uh, might take us more than I think you have time for. <laughs> But um, basically, I in high school, um, I didn't play my senior year. And the big thing for me was what did I want to do with my life, right? And most seniors, um, especially nowadays, they're kind of going through that. What do we want to do with their life? And so for me at the time, I, I liked basketball and I loved it, but I had been around it since I was five years old. Mm-hmm. Being 17, I was just like, you know what? Let me try something different. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and and tried dancing. I loved it. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I didn't think that I could do both dancing and basketball, yeah. but um, I just put all my heart and soul into that, and I loved it. Did it for two years, and then, um, you know, I, I I didn't play my first year of community college. And I was kind of in a situation where I, I wanted to play the game, but I wanted to play because I loved it, not because I had to. Mm-hmm. And so, so you know, seeing players uh, go by me and, you know, seeing players score me, I kind of brought something out of me that I think, you know, was in me for the last 12 years. And so I started to take it a little bit more serious and I uh, started going back at people and, Really through that 16-week class, the coach saw me go from a guy who was kind of just out there playing to somebody who was really competing. And so he decided to ask me for a um, to sign up for his summer class because he wanted me to play uh, for him. So I said, sure, why not? You know, um, And it, I'd never been through the recruiting process. I wasn't talked to by anybody in high school. Um, and so I was just like, you know what, let me try it out. And I did the the whole thing. I, I I went to every single day to the practices and to the or whether with their practice, it was more of a class. But yeah, weights as well that was required. And so, were you playing for the junior college league or the community colleges? They have uh, typically what they'll have is for incoming freshmen. You can you can take the basketball class and also the weightlifting classes, and oh, typically. Okay. Yeah, typically you'll get a bunch of basketball players in there. It's open to anybody, but, um, you know, there's prospects that they're looking at as well. And so um, I signed up for that, and and much like a bunch of other guys were signing up for that as well and ended up getting a, uh, an opportunity to play after, you know, the that summertime. Yeah, and I ended up playing Juco for, for one year. Um after that, I was like, you know what? It was a great season. I learned a lot, but you know, I I went from playing and starting mm-hmm. to not playing very much to you know being a support role, being on the bench, high fiving guys, you know, killing guys in practice, but being a supporter on the bench, you know, and kind of mm-hmm. accepting my responsibilities mm-hmm. um, as as a team player. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and I mean, I, the, the the hardest thing for me to kind of get with some of these people, what frame my coaching is that everybody has a role and everybody has a job. Mm-hmm. And so, 
Yeah. And so, you know, if you, if you want to win, yeah, you, you want to be the best at your role, regardless of what it is. And so you just can't do everything. You can't play 40 minutes a game. You can't do what all five people do. Yeah. So the better you are at what you do, the easier the game becomes, you know? And so, mm-hmm. um, so I, I did that for a year. I didn't play the next year. Um, I, I, again, I wasn't done with it, but I just kind of was like, you know what? That was good. I, I had fun. Um, but I kind of want to do something else, you know? And uh, so I, I, I didn't play for four years. And then, you know, I played with a pastor that I uh, went at the church I was going to. And he was like, you're really good. And mind you, I hadn't played in four years, right? Like yeah. competitively. So he uh, said, well, are you done with school? And what are you doing? Where did you play? And I was like, well, no, actually I'm not done with school and I am looking to still play if it's an opportunity, you know? And so he made a phone call for me and uh ended up playing at uh, bethany university and so i that's where i graduated from in santa cruz and um you know the rest is kind of taking it from there i mean just the opportunities that i got by taking a kind of like a a jump um to to go somewhere after not playing for four years was the best decision of my life because i can tell you this much and i I think i'd said this before to you like i would never have met you if i would have you know, quit. Yeah. And so, and so that's kind of where I'm at today. And fortunately I've been blessed over the years to, for coaches to say yes and give me opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things worked out in my favor. And so I'm super blessed to be at William Jessup working with the players and developing them. And then, you know, um, as a, as a, I guess you can call it a side gig is trying to take what I've learned at each one of these levels and give it back to the younger generations. And so that's where Coach Tet, um, the whole brand of Coach Tet and the, the training aspect has came into place. And um, I just try to take what I learn and, and give it back to young women and really uh, look to find women in power um, to empower the other women. Yeah. So that's kind of been my yeah, great. my motto. Mm-hmm. And so was there someone that you looked up to? That I looked up to? That's a great question. I mean, my mother, you know, was the strongest woman I ever knew. So like a lot of people ask why I even got into women's basketball. And I would say it's because of my mom. I mean, she, I mean, she raised me by herself um, from four years old all the way, wow. um, you know, up until now. And um, it, it was a testament really to her leadership. I, I've never seen the woman shed a tear, make an excuse. Um, and being, being a single mom, it's, it's very difficult, especially raising young men mm-hmm. to not be mom and dad. She was just, I'm going to be mom and I'm going to be the best mom that I can be. Mm-hmm. And so she, you know, as a, I call her alpha woman, that's <laughs> all I was used to my whole life, you know? And so it's only natural that I kind of went into coaching women's basketball because that's like what I've dealt with my whole life. And I, uh, I work well with other women who are trying to strive to be their best and don't make excuses. And so um, that would be my, the person I looked up to the most. Now, as far as in basketball um, in particular, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I love Phil Jackson. That was like, you know, perfect timing with The Last Dance. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I love Phil Jackson. <laughs> I love his leadership style. He never got in the way of the people being the best versions of himself. But at the same time, he didn't want to uh, forsake the goals of the team and everybody wants to win a championship. And so you have to invest something with that. And so he said, don't 
change who you are because who you are is what made you, you know, and it makes actually our team better by being who you are. What I'm asking is that you invest who you are into what we do. And so that made everybody um, keep their identity of being the best versions of themselves, but yet at the same time, be able to uh, give everything they could on the court. And I love that. I, I tell kids now, don't change who you are. You know, that's, that is who you are. That's who you became. You don't have to conform, you know, but invest who you are into this because that's what makes this journey amazing. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's the two people that I would say I, I looked up to the most. You talked about trying to figure yourself out in your senior year and then not playing that much when you're in junior college, but what were some other obstacles you had to overcome? Yeah, uh, two things really kind of um, shaped my my life. Uh, the first thing was again playing in community college. Um, you know, I went, I started uh, in, a, in our first tournament. I earned my way there, and I remember one night after I had a very bad game. I want to say it was either my first game or second game. I, I don't it, my memory fades, but um, I went to the coach's room and I knocked on the door and I, and I said, "Coaches, can I talk to you guys?" And they were like, "Yeah, sure. What's up?" I'm sure they were thinking like, oh, I'm going to talk about strategy or whatever. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I messed up. I feel like I lost the game for the guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not really feeling that too much. Um, you know, maybe it would be better suited if I came off the bench, right? Like, yeah, maybe I'm not meant to start. I know I'm meant to play, but I may not be meant to start. Wow, that definitely takes lots of guts to go and say that to your coach, and it really shows that you're putting the team first. Yeah, and for me, that's all I knew, right? Because my mom was always like, speak about what you're feeling, mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, I went there and said that, and I left, and they had a, you know, a kind of a puzzled look, like, this guy is saying he doesn't want to start? Like, that's everybody's dream, you know what I mean? And they're like, okay, fine, like, if that's what you want to do. So they had to figure out a new starting person. I think I started the next game. I think they told me like, Hey, you know, let's start the next game, see kind of what happens. And then after that, you kind of feel the same, then come tell us, you know? And so, I mean, I'm like, all right, cool. And so to me, it was like, I've been out for two years, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel I was ready. And so like, that was one of the changes, changing moments for me. It was like, I was honest with myself saying, you know what, maybe I wasn't meant to be a starter. Um, but what ended up happening is I was still killing in practice, still doing what I was supposed to do. But those uh, what began to happen is, you know, he, he saw more and more use for other people versus five more and more use for me, which is rightly so. Um, and in fact, those guys outworked me. You know, what I mean, they provided more value for the team than I did because I was turning the ball, ball over at such a high rate, you know. So coaching wise, it made a lot of sense. And so, um, you know, basically I. I learned and, and, and I grew from that tremendously. And I said, you know, being honest with yourself, regardless of the outcome, is something that's necessary. It hurt at the time that I had to do that. Um, and a lot of people would be looking back and say that would be the wrong decision. But I was, I was okay with that because I knew that was my truth. And I needed to tell the coaches that versus trying to pretend and not giving us the opportunity to win. And so for me, it was more about being that team player. Right. And then the second one, was in after my first year uh playing at four year now mind you i was not playing for four years like i did, i worked full-time jobs i was making money like i was good i didn't need to go back to school right yeah. but 
I ended up going back in, in my first semester there, getting used to one, living um, in a different location. And then two, having to go to class. Like I had like, four years without going to class oh. um, was a new experience for me for sure. And so I struggled big time. I was point, I think point three, point zero three grade points away from being eligible. And so I had a 1.97 or 1.96, I believe, or something like that. So I was barely ineligible, right? So I was put on um, academic uh, probation. I couldn't play. I had under 2.0, so I didn't, um, I didn't have the grades necessary, right, to, to uh, uphold the standard, yeah, to play. And so that was hard for me. Um, but I called a friend of mine just, you know, to, to like lick my wounds and all on, you know, <laughs> woe is me. And she cussed me out so smooth. And she was like, don't you ever call me about some, you know, stuff that you did that you had control over. Right. And she was like, uh, if you come back to, and at the time I was living, living in Santa Cruz, I lived in Sacramento. She's like, if you ever, if you come back and you don't have your degree, we're not going to be friends anymore. And I was like, Wow that was that was intense you know she's like i don't want to be associated with people who aren't trying to be the best versions of themselves you know and so um i thank her every day for doing that because it that that amongst you know me getting my coaches upset at me but like my friends were just like oh it'll be okay you'll you'll bounce back and she was telling me the truth yeah and that's what i needed at the time and so like again kind of with the theme of having very strong women around me you know that was a, a cool thing yeah that she straight up said yeah. to me, she like, no, man, that's not okay. You know, get it, get the job done. So that next semester I had a three, two wow. and I got, I took care of it. So yeah, I went from, from that to a three, two. And so like, I, I, I had the motivation at that point to move. And so I overcame both of those situations with strong women who were, you know, just basically told me straight up, like, you know, no, this is the truth about it. So how did you end up coaching women's basketball at William Jessup? So yeah, the um, the the kind of the story is crazy. In 2011, I our school at Bethany had shut down, and uh, we had some girls who were going to be seniors plus some underclassmen, and they were looking for a home. And William Jessup was actually uh, taking students who uh, from our school that shut down and, and admitting them to Jessup and athletes as well. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, so we had a lot of young ladies who transferred up there. And, you know, they were, at the time, the coach that was there, they were telling him, like, hey, there's this guy that was our assistant coach. Like, we really, really liked him and appreciated him. Like, we think he could help out at Jessup, you know, in whatever capacity. They didn't know, but they were just like, hey, he should come up here and help. And um, I I appreciate that, and I was flattered, you know. But I also understood, like, it's not 100% possible in a small college, you just, hey, we're going to hire a new coach and that's it. It's like there's other things that come with it. You like you probably have to have a job up there and a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So it didn't work out that time. But in 2011, like I said, I really wanted to come up there and come up to Jessup and help. And I always watched Jessup from afar and saw how they were growing and would love to have been a part of what they were trying to do. And plus, it was from my hometown. So, you know, I wanted to to go back and be a part. Well, you know, fast forward to... 2014, I was married at the time and we we're moving, getting ready to move up to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they had went through a coaching change. And so I was like, oh, maybe, you know, this might be a good time for me to try to jump in and see if I can help. And 
Um, you know, it just didn't, it didn't work out. The timing wasn't right again. Um, but I ended up getting at Pacific Union College. And so uh, they were in Napa and we uh, played them, you know, twice a year. And plus I had players that still were playing at Jessup that I kept up with. And, and so went to go watch them play, watch the tournament. I was always at Jessup's games, just being around a lot, you know, but uh, never really uh, talking with the coaching staff and stuff like that. And so what ended up happening was um, two years ago, uh, a young lady that I'm really close friends with, Liz Gayweiler, her story is amazing. And hopefully at some point you'll get a chance to, to get her on your podcast. Yeah, for sure. She, I was working with her. She went to Sierra College in Rockland, um, and which is like five minutes from Jessup. And I had known her for three years. And so we had coached together and, you know, we had been around each other for a long time. And, and she, uh, she was at an open gym or no, a practice, I'm sorry, where I had, you know, older girls come in and scrimmage my high school club team. Okay. And you were coaching high school at that time? Yes. Yes. And actually, I I still am coaching high school club, which is kind of cool. Like I can still keep somewhat of a foot in the, in the, you know, in that side of things. And so uh, she was at the open gym or at the, I'm sorry, at the practice. And then so was the William Jessup assistant coach, because I ended up getting her number from one of the players that was at Jessup and say, oh, yeah, this was, she could still play and she can keep up and it'd be good for her to come and, and, and play. And so I said, all right, cool, like hit her up and she came. Well, Liz, she was like, hey, I got a couple of years of eligibility because everybody else was sharing their story. She's like, I've got a couple of years of eligibility. I'm trying to figure out where I want to play <laughs> and stuff like that. And so, you know, she's just kind of sharing her story. And then the assistant coach, her ears perked up like super quick. And she was like, wait a minute, you have years of eligibility. Let me get your number, you know? And, and so literally the rest was there. And she, and she, uh, Liz vouched for me. She was like, you know, I've known him. I I trust him. He can help you guys out if you guys are looking for something. Mm -hmm. And again, I was at Pacific Union at the time, but trying to figure out what I want to do because I was in year four going to go on, be on year five and I was making that drive an hour and 45 minutes away so I was like man I, I can't keep yeah. doing this you know what That's I mean true. and so uh yeah it was a lot but I, yeah, I understood I need to do it in order to 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 keep myself in the women's game and at the collegiate level and use it as a platform to help other young women so you know I was willing to to make that make that investment and so uh so she spoke highly of me and then they did their research and they found out that other people like they, they spoke highly of me. And so they gave me a call and said, Hey, you know, we are looking to add a couple more positions, you know, uh, for assistant coaches. And they said, Hey, just give us a choice or, you know, come in for a, let's talk. And And what year was this? It was 2018. Wow. You've been wanting that job for seven years. Summer of 2018. Yes. Yeah, so now I'm on my third year there, and oh. we're gonna, you know, we're, we're we're trying to win a national championship every year. But you know, we're, really, what we're trying to do is graduate uh, young women uh, and empower them to be in the community and help other young women do the same. So it's been great. I, I'm I'm blessed uh, for the opportunity, and every day that goes by, I look at it, I'm like, man, I'm really coaching college basketball mm-hmm. as a career. Like that, most people don't get a chance to do that, you know. So. Wow, I mean, that's really great that now you have the job that you've been wanting for such a long time. And so take me through a day in your life, like not in quarantine, but normally speaking. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, there's a lot more. It's it's a funny thing because most players, when they get into coaching, they I guess they don't realize all the stuff that goes into it, right? And, and rightfully so, I was the exact same way. I was 
fortunate when I first started coaching in 2011, uh, or sorry, 2009, I should say, um, on the women's side, because that's where I, after I had finished my eligibility basketball-wise, I started coaching at Bethany. Um, and so I did that for two years. And so I, I, I learned that, you know, 99% of your job is administrative. <laughs> Only 1% of it is on the court, right? So think about it. Like somebody has to coordinate when you're traveling, where you're going. Somebody has to coordinate the referees. Somebody has to coordinate the, yeah. Like we, we have, there's people who do assigning and stuff like that. So that helps us outsource, you know, some of the responsibilities. Mm -hmm. But and we have an athletic department that takes care of a lot of like travel and all that other stuff. But like as far as getting a team, communicating with teachers and professors, um, making sure like everybody's compliant with everything, like we we have to monitor a lot of that stuff. And uh, you know, knowing when practice times are, like making sure everybody's on the same page because like we share a gym with two other sports, with men's basketball, with volleyball. We'll this year with stunt, so they have we have a stunt team. Uh, we'll have a, a a JV volleyball team, so and a JV women's basketball team. So um, there's a lot of sports. Yeah, I mean, when I did my camp there, most there was only like one main basketball court. I think there were a few hoops in the warehouse, but yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and so coordinating all that, mm -hmm. like you're you're yeah. spending a lot of time either on a phone, texting, or on a computer, like getting recruits. I mean, we get. I mean, I I get emails, and I'm you know, kind of lowest on a totem pole as far as at Jessup, I, I get emails, at least 15, 20 emails a day of kids who, you know, class of 2020, class of 21. And so now you're watching film on stuff. So I'm not, I can only imagine what the head coaches and the other assistant coaches from yeah. all the other schools in the nation are getting same exact thing, having to watch film. So we're, that's a lot of it, like choosing the best fit for you. And, and you know, we, we, we're not, you know, division one where you're only going after, three or four kids that are ESPN top 100. Like we, we are finding a lot of people and sifting through yeah, a lot of people to try to yeah. find what fits best for yeah. our school. So a lot of it's administrative, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I would say on the back end. And I was, when I came into this whole thing, I was just on the court doing a lot of stuff. I had nothing to worry about on the back end, but now I've gotten kind of more of a role of responsibility. There's way more admin work. Um, but I love every minute of it because like, I never had to do it before. And then I never, uh, had to 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 put things and put systems in place. So most of my day is waking up, you know, six o'clock. I spend some time with my wife. Uh, my son normally comes into the to the room and he'll jump on us or do whatever. He's oh. four, so I kind of expect that to happen. Yeah, um, I'll get up. I'll probably about seven seven thirty. Um, sometimes close to eight, depending on how I'm feeling. Uh, well, I'll make breakfast for the family and kind of spend some time with him. I've uh, been trying to work on like going out with him and just getting outside and doing something just with him mm -hmm. because when you're starting to do coaching, you're responsible for the 15 to 20 people that you coach. And so you have to give a lot of your time to manage that. But um, I try to give him his time as well. So after after I get, you know, spend some time with him around 10 o'clock, I start looking at emails and start making phone calls and sending information out and uh, connecting with recruits and developing relationships with them uh, for probably a good, you know, three to four hours. I'm doing that. And, and then I'll take a break normally and try to eat some lunch 
or like a late lunch sometimes, or I'll eat lunch while I'm doing whatever. Uh, and a lot of times when I'm doing, when I'm outside, I'll, I'll get outside the house or outside the office and I'll just walk around, but I'm still like on the phone and talking with people, but it's just change of scenery uh, a lot of times, you know, but uh, yeah, I'll take some, I'll take a break and, and, you know, look at, see on Instagram or my Twitter and, and try to like keep up with my brand stuff. And um, I'll spend about an hour or two on that. And then I'll get back into, you know, the evening and I'm typically either with my club team doing some stuff with them or I, I get a, an hour or so of training in like uh, working with players on getting mm -hmm. better. And then I'll, in the evening, I'll kind of wind down with some more recruiting stuff and looking at more film and things like that. I mean, a lot of this in the off season, especially is just recruiting um, and it's really through the whole year, but we spend a lot of time on recruiting for classes that are two or three years out sometimes um, so that we can kind of get ahead of the curve and, and, follow them, you know, and see what kind of how they progress. So that's typically like Monday through Friday. I typically go a little bit more because I have Saturday and Sunday. I'm doing my, my, uh, I officiate as well. So I'll get out and officiate and see who's out there and, and, uh, or I'm coaching a team. Wow. So lots of basketball. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty, it can get pretty hectic, but yeah, that's my world. And, and that was my mission at 14. I just wanted to be in the game for my whole life. So that's what I'm doing. Awesome. And so when are the William Jessup practices? Yeah. So we're in a situation which is interesting. Um, most schools, or at least like when you get past the small schools, um, they have priority registration, right? Like D2 and D1s and stuff like that. Like they, they can choose when they're going to have their classes. Their practices are pretty set. Like it's this is when you're going to practice. This is when you're going to train, all that stuff. And they have, you know, 30,000 students in which they can <laughs> accommodate like any time frame, you know what I mean? And so we don't, we just don't have that. We're, we're mm -hmm. a smaller school. Uh, we're under 2000 people. So, you know, classes are kind of, you know, whatever the classes can become available. Um, and so we try to keep that window between four and eight o'clock open so we can have practice. So either we're going four to six, five to seven or six to eight. Um, we very rarely want to do anything at night, but we try to keep that window open um what sometimes happens again when you're doing it in the fall time you have different sports in there so it's, you have to work around the sport that's in season they have the priority um but we just basically uh have that window and then we'll we'll do trainings uh with like weight with the weight room and everything and we'll put them in small groups um and so based on their time slots of when they can all work out We'll put them either in the morning time or in the afternoon. We give them a break before practice typically, but that's typically how the small groups uh, will work out. And then we'll do like a group workout together once a week um, and or sometimes twice a week, depending on what part of the season we're in. Uh, but they have their individual groups that they work with, and then they have their their uh, the groups that we work with as far as the whole team. So that's kind of like how we, how we organize that. Um, uh, but I mean, and then we'll have film, but early in the season, there's typically no film unless we're covering what we're going to cover, um, like as far as teaching points and stuff. But I mean, I, a lot of that just is basically, you know, we'll practice between four to eight and then we'll have our weightlifting groups. Typically, they'll be either in the morning or in the early afternoon before practice, depending on what day it is. So. Wow. And you are doing so much for our women's basketball community. And my question to you is, 
Why do you feel so strongly about elevating women's basketball? You talked about growing up with strong females, but was there a certain reason that you wanted to get involved in the women's game? Yeah, so in two, 2006, um, it was my first experience with the WNBA. And that was one of the things that changed my whole life. Uh, I was blessed to have my coach who was coaching me in college. I was, I is before I got to Bethany and he basically reached out. He wanted to make sure I was ready before I came in. He reached out to mm -hmm. a friend of his um, and said, Hey, I know that the WNBA uh, teams have male players uh, as their scout team. Would you, can you throw him on the list? He's my point guard coming in. I need him to kind of, you know, get ready to come in. And so he reached out to me. His name is Michael Lorente. He's actually a coach at my alma mater at, at, uh, at American River College. And um, he, he reached out to me and said, hey, man, um, you know, the Sacramento Monarchs are looking for, you know, players and I can send your name to the assistant coach. Would you be interested? Here's kind of the framework. And so I said, sure. And so the only, the only thing was that they can only do it in the middle of the day because they practice a lot of times uh, from like 11 to two or from 12 to three or something like that. So everything was in the middle of the day. And at, at the time I was working full time, right? So I was fortunate to have my supervisor. He was like, yeah, man, take off lunch and then come back. Wow. You know what I mean? Whenever okay. you're done with it. Good. Yeah. He was really cool. He's instrumental in that too. And he signed off on me doing that. So yeah, just long your eight hours. You could work a split day. No problem. So I would come in early in the morning at from six to like noon and then I would leave, go, you know, play for, with the Monarchs uh, for an hour or two or depending on when they needed me. And then I would come back and finish the rest of my work day, you know. So um, it was, he was, a, yeah, he was really instrumental in that. And I, I still call him <laughs> and thank him to this day. He's still at the, at the, at the place that I worked. And so I thank him every single day. And he's like, dude, you don't have to. I said, yes, I do. Because if you didn't let me do that, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I can promise you, you know, so. That, that doing that, seeing the professional women's basketball players play and compete and work on their game, that was the most competitive practices and the most competitive environment I've ever been a part of. It was high energy every single time I went in there. They were talking the whole time. The gym was loud. Um, it was like it was mandatory, mm -hmm. you know, and I learned about the women's side, especially elite women's basketball uh, at at that in 2006 and I went back in 2007 after my first year uh, of playing I went back and I still did it because I was like yeah I, I love that experience it was great I need to need to have that again and so I was I was blessed to have that and actually some of the women I still keep in contact with um that play uh, on the monarchs and it's it's just been a great like for me it's been a great tool to to be able to take back so that's really uh, I wanted to bring, I wanted to bring that back. I really wanted to bring what I saw there every single day uh, back to the women's game because there were so many people who thought women's basketball wasn't very competitive, wasn't good. They thought that it was just kind of like stand in the corner and shoot all the time, that they don't compete, that they don't talk crap <laughs> to each other, you know, that they just, uh, you know, hold hands and skip yeah. down the street. Like I didn't think that, I, I didn't think that because mm -hmm. I've been around it, but I like, there has to be something that the pros are doing that you know we're not doing at the at the uh, high school and college levels and so and seeing that i was like oh yeah i got i 
since I saw that, I have to bring that back and I have to show people like, no, you can be, you can be great and you don't have to apologize for that. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to fit the norm, what everybody else thinks in society. You can go out there and compete, talk crap, you know, enjoy it, laugh, have fun, you know, um, you could do all that stuff and be a very strong woman. It just fell in line, fell in line with what my mom, what I already seen with my mom, how strong she was. And I was like, okay, if this is what it is, I need to find a way to empower these women to know that, yes, you can be competitive. Yes, you can, you know, try to dominate uh, your competitor. Yes, I mean, there's lots of trash talking that goes on in pickup games and practices, but it doesn't happen as much in games, which I really wish it did. Yeah, and it's a part of the game, too. Like, once you get you get to a point in basketball or in any sport where you've have achieved mastery and so you you understand what you're going to do how you're going to do it and when you're going to do it you have to find those little opportunities to get the mental edge over people and that's that game within the game that there's that gamesmanship that i think that people miss out on and that's when you know you can do it and still back (laughs) up what you you're about to do that's the ultimate you know what i mean and that's what makes the game fun i think a lot of people miss out on that um and that's what we enjoy a lot more. And you see it in, you know, uh, pickup games a lot. The game may not be fast and it may not be up and down, but there's so much talking back and forth that uh, that you're bringing the best out of somebody. It's like, no, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to prove to you. You know what I mean? And you're telling that person, no, you better prove to me that you're better than what I see because you're not you're not giving me your best. I really think that's the framework is like, no, I want to see your best. Don't don't give me a half of it. Give me everything, you know? So I, I like it. Uh, if I see it in practice, I, I encourage it. I'm like, yeah, back it up, though. Like, don't don't say it and then not be able to back it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because then it's an emotional response. You better say something and be able to back it up and then bring everybody else up after that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's the, that's the ultimate. So Definitely. And so what do you think needs to be done in order for women's basketball to gain the respect that it deserves? Yeah, I, I think... Um, there's a couple things that's already happening. Uh, young ladies like you, you're, you're speaking on behalf of it. You, you, I, I told somebody that watch the, the, you know, the ages eight through 13 is going to be a super increase in people playing more and a viewership of the women's game. You guys are shouting out other women's basketball players like this. You guys are getting in front of a lot of people at an early age and this is really, really good. Um, this is kind of the same swing that started happening in the men's game about 20 years ago. And so it start, I'm seeing this in the women's games now, and I'm like, it's going to be crazy by the time you guys get to where you're of age. And so I think the biggest thing is keep doing stuff like this. I mean, it's it's a marathon, so um, we have to continue to stay the course. My my mission is to find other men to to be able to support the women's game, How kind of how I'm doing it, which is like, let's – Let's show that, you know, let's show the, the positive sides of the women's game and show that we are in support of it and that we're getting out of their way. You know what I mean? And so we want we want them to be the best version of themselves. We are guests in, mm-hmm. in your guys' game. And, and as guests, we should act as such. And so we got to really do our job at, at, at giving you guys um, the, the freedom and encouraging, you know, all the competitiveness that you guys uh, have inside of you to be the best versions of yourself. Uh, so that's one. Two, I think just continuing. Like I, I've been, I've been fortunate to be able to put clips on my social page um, consistently. Um, other guys have to do the exact same thing, and other girls have to do the exact same thing. Find out who 
your 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 favorite uh college player your your high school player are in and and really be you know talking about them and have a regular conversation with other women because I've been on teams before where uh coaching where I said who's your favorite you know WNBA player and they can't even they didn't even know the WNBA existed or they don't even have a player that they like that's a women's basketball player right and so that's I said that's what breaks my heart is that me as a male <laughs> that I know more about your sport yeah. you know what I mean and so like well yes we're all one sport basketball doesn't know a gender I get it but like the women's side you have to know people <laughs> that play in your sport you know what I'm saying too and because now now I look at it as how are those you know eight through 13 or eight through 17 year olds going to want to watch you if you don't even watch it and you're not even passionate about it you know, so that's for me what I think the most thing is. And then embrace the fact that, you know, it's the women's game. And I think there's a stigma to that. Um, unfortunately, I I saw how, uh, I think it was Neka Gumake talked about how she was mad that somebody said women should lower the rim because people should be dunking more. And that was a slap in the face. Like, so because I am athletic and I can do all these things below the rim, just because I can't dunk, that makes yeah. the game not watchable, then I don't want you watching the Definitely. game. You know what I mean? I don't want you watching the game then if that's all you care about. So I think just, you know, helping people understand like how hard the women's basketball game, mm -hmm. the women's game is, it's actually a lot harder than I think the men's game is because men only rely on their athleticism. Uh, women have both strength, athleticism, and intelligence, you know? And so not very many men's teams have all three of those. Um, and so, I think just big up in the 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 three things um, that the women's games you know provides. I think that's where you got to do it. So I think that's part of some of the stuff. And just keep going out there and being fearless. Play anybody, mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Play men, play women. Yes, I mean I love playing in pickup games. Period. Whether that's male or female, but I've been to a few all girls open gyms, and it's so much fun just to like enjoy the game with other females and just like feel like you're part of something. Yeah, uh, there's so many. Uh, I've been I've been doing it a while, and I've been seeing, especially a lot of coaches. I, I'm all for mm -hmm. men coaching. You know what I mean? I I, I think it's great. Uh, I, I, but I definitely believe that there is something to having a woman um, being able to show that not only she can coach, but coach better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and sh and and being able to relate. I think it's very important, like I said, for for young people to see women in power. And so, um, I, if I, I I've said it plenty of times. I, I don't mind being an assistant coach. You know, for uh, for a women's okay. game. Uh, in fact, that's, I think, a better role uh, in some instances for men. I mean, so um, to support, you know, the, the women, I think that's the, the directive that needs to happen. And so um, all for it. All, I love it. And uh, yeah, I hope that it can happen more, to be honest. Most definitely. And so how would you define the word success? How do I define the word success? So... In short, I would say doing what you love. Um, and, you know, I, you can build off of that. But I really think it's that. Uh, for me, personally, I I am a success story just because when I'm doing what I, I love. But I've overcame a lot of odds. And so I really believe that I am a success story regardless of accolades, clout, monetary, uh, you know, people who know me, like outside of any of that stuff, like I'm a success. And so like, 
I when you become self-aware of that, like it really, really makes the journey uh, that much better. You you embrace everything that comes with it, you know. But that's what I would say is doing what you love, um, because not many people are doing what they love. A lot of people are doing what they have to do, and that's that's the part that I wish everybody had a chance to do is doing what they love, and that can so they can support themselves, and if they have a family, support their family by doing that i think that's the ultimate that's what success is and lastly what advice do you have for listeners that might be looking to pursue basketball um for pursuing basketball like so get in the game uh you know because you love it i i it's you know we all have a reason why we Mm -hmm. we start it but really get into the game because you love it i i there's so much more to basketball than just putting a ball in the basket. If you think about it, there's only two baskets and a ball. Like it's not more complicated than that, but it's the, it's the, you know, 10 people on each team and the five people that are playing and the two referees and the scorers table, like all these are human beings that are contributing Mm -hmm. to the actual experience. And if you take a second to look back and really embrace all of that and just look like, man, this is really cool that I'm in an environment where people want to watch me try to excel to put the ball in the basket as many times as I can, then you'll really enjoy it, you know? And so advice that I have is, you know, enjoy it, like actually love it, find the love for it, find the, you know, one thing that you like really passionate about with it and just really excel at that and hold on to that passion regardless of outcome of wins or losses. Um, that, that would be my, my advice. And then my second thing that has to be more like basketball related is, work on something every day. It doesn't have to be everything you work on, but work on one thing every day. And if you take that, yeah, you're going to be very, very, very happy on the other side of it. And fortunately, that's what happens with me. I just choose one thing to work on myself every day. And I've gotten better over the years. And you know, think you stack up 32 years of working on yourself every single day. Like you're going to, you're going to know quite a bit and uh, have experienced quite a bit. So, um, the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. So I kind of do the same exact thing. Just try to work on something every day um, to make myself a little bit better. So that would be my, that would be my advice. Okay. That was it. Thank you so much for being on today. No, no problem.